0: We have a big favor to ask. One of our advertisers is conducting a survey, and we'd be so grateful for your help with answering a few of their questions. It takes less than 10 minutes of your time, and your participation really helps the show. Go to SlateStudy.com to complete the short survey. Thanks so much.
1: I think what we're both struggling with here, honestly, is that you know we don't really have language for actually telling the truth. To have clarity and certainty about becoming a, a parent, you know, I, I think most people don't, frankly. Right. You know, and even even me saying that out loud to you right now, I'm like, but, but, but I love them. I, know, I, I love I them. I love you, honey. You know? you're, you're wonderful. You're, you're everything to me. <laughs> Welcome
0: to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. Each week, we talk to listeners who are trying to figure out how to solve one of life's problems. And then we do some research and we track down an expert and we get their advice. And usually the way that we learn about a problem is that they send us an email at howto@slate.com. And in fact, that's how we heard from this week's listener, who had emailed us actually from halfway across the world. Wait, wait let's see, is it, is it crazy early in the morning in Australia right now?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in at the office at 7.30, which is, you know, a bit early.
0: This is Megan. She's a, a lawyer in Melbourne. She's 35 years old, married with no kids, which is actually why she's talking with me on Skype today.
2: So I reached out to you really with a question of how one makes an irrevocable decision. Because my husband and I are now looking at having kids. There's definitely no going back once you decide to go down that path.
0: How long have you and your husband been married?
2: Um, We've been married, what, four and a half years now? Okay. And we've been... You know, trying for for a significant amount of time, and and that's that hasn't worked naturally. So we're looking down the barrel of potentially some fairly invasive treatments and a lot of money and all of that.
0: So so now that it hasn't happened naturally, now that you're at this place where you have to you have to make a proactive choice, how has your feelings about it changed?
2: The lack of, I suppose, real hunger, almost had me second-guessing whether it's actually the right decision. I guess also just thinking maybe we could have a a wonderful life without being parents, and is that really what we want?
0: Deciding whether to have a baby is obviously one of the biggest choices anyone makes. But we found someone to help, I think. She's someone who's thought deeply about this and, and has confronted it herself.
1: I'm Cheryl Strayed, the author of Wild and Tiny Beautiful Things and a couple of other books, and also the co-host of the Dear Shirkers podcast.
2: I loved Dear Sugar, so I'm actually quietly fangirling insanely inside right now.
0: (laughs) Well, in that case, we'll hear more from Cheryl after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. If you know who Cheryl Strayed is, it's it's probably because you read her 2012 best-selling memoir, Wild, or you saw the big Hollywood movie that it was made into starring Reese Witherspoon.
1: What if all those things I did were the
3: things that got me here? What if I was never redeemed? What if I already was?
0: But before all of that, she used to write this wonderful advice column,
1: yeah, I wrote an advice column for the rumpus called "Dear Sugar."
0: One of her most popular columns was titled "The Ghost Ship that Didn't Carry Us." And it was about how Cheryl had made this choice, one of the hardest choices in her own life. You write about how you thought about having kids and that it wasn't it wasn't something that like it was it was a clear answer for you.
1: well, you know, basically, I loved my life. And I loved my independence and my freedom and my ability to, you know, just kind of have the more carefree life that you get to have when you're not responsible for the survival and well-being of another human being as you are when you're a parent. And I was, you know, my husband felt the same way. My husband's a documentary filmmaker. I'm a writer. I wasn't ever one of those people who felt like, you know, I will be completed by motherhood. On the other hand, you know, I love those profound human experiences, and there's no question that, by all accounts, having a child is a big experience, and I didn't want to miss out on it. And so my husband and I went round and round. Well, well let me ask you
0: about, because because you you talk about, in the column, you talk about this idea of the sistership, where you, you kind of stand on one ship, based on the decisions you've made in your life, and you see the other ship, the other choices you could have made, you see it sail away.
1: What did you mean by that? What I mean is I think that, you know, we all make big choices in life that that takes us away from the other choice. And what I love about this, this notion of the sister life is, you know, I, I think that a lot of times when we do have big decisions to make, we're like, well, should I go to law school or become a veterinarian or should i marry this person or or not or should i have a kid or not you know those big decisions they they you know they do uh define the paths that that we take but but that doesn't mean that the life we would have had if we'd made that other choice doesn't have meaning and value
0: yeah and, and i want to ask you more about how to help this person make this decision because i i think that she is looking at the two ships, right? She's trying to figure out which ship she wants to board and which one she lets sail away because that is a, it is a loss.
1: Each contains a loss because, you know, becoming a mother or a father, it is true. You are forever bound. You are forever tethered to another human being. So you lose some freedom and independence and a lot of money and, you know, various other things, right? Um, it is also a loss, if you decide not to have kids because all of the things yeah. that you would have gained and, and, and received. And so, yeah, to me, the idea of the sister life is, is holding that that both things are true. Both ships contain loss and gain. Both yeah. ships contain beauty and sorrow and, you know, all all of the many different things that we get.
0: I asked Megan, our, our listener in Australia, if that made sense to her. Th- this idea that she's deciding between two lives, two ships on different paths. And if part of what she's struggling with is trying to figure out not only which life she wants, but which one she's willing to give up, and how she'll deal with the regret that comes regardless of which choice she makes.
2: Yeah, that is exactly the thing. The more I've been thinking about this since I I wrote to you and, you know, was again chatting with my husband about it. And I think I've been approaching this as which path will leave me free of regret. You know, what I've been thinking about over the past week or so has been whether I need to reframe that a little bit, trying to assess what level of regret I'd be comfortable living with. Yeah. To the best I can, you know, work out what I'd, what I'd feel, you know, 10, 20 years in the future. And it's hard because we
0: don't know who we're going to be 10 or 20 years in the future.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I actually asked asked Cheryl about this because I think one of the things that happens is that when we have these conversations with ourselves or with our husbands – we have this instinct to kind of almost shy away from the possibility of regret, right? To to either pretend like regret can't exist, or to say, "Oh no, I shouldn't make decisions based out of regret."
1: I I just I completely reject that idea that regret doesn't exist. I do I just I think that that's an aphorism gone wrong, you know, or something. I I, I the function of regret is a really important one in our lives because very often it will help us make the right decision. And so yeah. what I say, instead of saying, like, does it sound really fun to you to spend hours upon hours with a two-year-old? Um, you know, that is not the question to ask when asking, should I become a parent? The question to ask is really from that longer view. In 20 years, when you look back upon your life, will you wish that you'd, you know, made that leap and and taken that, that chance and made that big commitment and sacrifice, um, you know, by becoming a parent? I, I think that if she feels really that lingering sense that she might, I think she should listen pretty hard to that.
0: What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I think that definitely speaks strongly to me. And I think that's part of what I'm struggling with is trying to assess, you know, what I will feel like in the future based on so much of what is unknowable about Becoming a parent, and 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 the flip side is, if I am ambivalent about it, and I remain that way, you know, is that a a good environment to bring kids into?
0: Maybe you'll be ambivalent after having the kids, right? Like, there's there's no guarantee that two years in, you, you say, like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I made this decision.
2: And and that's it. I've. You know, I do know people who've sort of said, you know, if I had my time again, I'm not sure I would have made this made this decision. Yeah. And I always follow that up with, you know, yeah, I lo- I obviously I love my kid and what have you. But, you know, there is regret for, for their ghost ship. Megan
0: told me that part of what's hard for her is that among her family, no one has ever questioned if having kids make sense. Right. Her, her parents always assumed she was going to become a mother. And her siblings, most of whom are married and have kids of their own, they never had doubts like this.
2: Everyone else was so certain that parenthood was very important to them. They all, you know, married young, started trying for kids almost immediately. Like, it's just that clarity of purpose yeah. that they have and I don't, and that, you know, to, has has made me feel like, you know, am I, am I missing something?
1: Many, many, many families uh, have these ideas about you know motherhood or fatherhood being you know the thing you're expected to do, the thing that you should do, the only thing that can possibly be fulfilling. And you know we hear these these really bizarre um, ideas about people who choose not to become parents being selfish, which I've never understood. What's selfish? What's selfish right. about <laughs> not you know just deciding not to bear a child or, or father or mother a child? I don't I don't get it. Um, but. In any case, like, she really wants to make this decision because she and her partner decide it's the right thing for their lives, not because her parents expect her to.
0: Cheryl has a tip for how to clarify your thinking on uncomplicated issues like motherhood. What she says is, you should take all those thoughts swirling inside your head and write them down
1: most of us get all bewildered and confused because we're intelligent beings, frankly. And we have all of these cross currents of thoughts and desires and wishes and fears and anxieties and all of that stuff. And this is why we get tangled up sometimes. They're all in our head. Really, Megan, get out a piece of paper, a big piece of paper, <laughs> and just make lists of in every direction. You know, let those doubts be fully expressed. Let those desires be fully expressed. You know, write your list from the vantage point of now and 20 years from now. Think about what it is you would do if you listened to that doubt and didn't have kids. Think about what you're willing to go through to have them. Like, that's a really complicated question. And I think that it's, you know, what, what makes you feel most at peace when you make those lists at the end of all of that writing and reflecting? You know, what do you feel like literally in your body makes you feel calm? when you look at each of those scenarios.
0: What would you, what would you say to that?
2: Yeah, that's something I've been trying to do, you know, in my head, but I, I, I think the idea of, you know, physically writing it down and sitting with it and trying to feel that physicality is, is interesting. Yeah. I'm just, you know, imagining going home and getting big butcher's paper and, (laughs) and writing with crazy colors everywhere. And, yeah, I mean, could be helpful.
0: When we come back, we'll look at how once you take all these steps to choose the right ship, you can then find the courage to raise the sale. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card.
3: This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender.
0: This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs. The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or find it wherever you listen. In the column that Cheryl wrote a number of years ago about deciding to have a baby, she talks about this idea of how to look at our lives from a distance.
1: Okay, do you want me to read it?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Dear Undecided, there's a poem I love by Thomas Transtromer called The Blue House. I think of it every time I consider questions such as yours about the irrevocable choices we make. The poem is narrated by a man who is standing in the woods near his house. When he looks at his house from this vantage point, he observes that it's as if he's just died and he is now seeing the house from a new angle. Every life, Transtraumer writes, has a sister ship, one that follows quite another route than the one we ended up taking. We want it to be otherwise, but it cannot be. The people we might've been live a different phantom life than the people we are. And so the question is, who do you intend to be?
0: For Cheryl, she and her husband eventually decided to be parents.
1: You know, we we decided to just do it. Like, we I got pregnant, and all through my pregnancy, I felt like I was, like, the world's worst pregnant lady because, you know, people would be like, I, you know, I got an ultrasound, and, and I heard the heartbeat, and I burst into tears, and I was like, wow. Like, I found it scientifically interesting that I had a human growing inside of me, but I was <laughs> mostly thinking, like, I really hope this works out. I really hope that I love this baby because, you know, this is probably going to be, a, you know, it's it's going to be a big sacrifice.
0: Yeah. You, you keep the baby whether you love it or not.
1: <laughs> I know. And we were like, we sure hope we like this little fella. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what happened is we did. A lot. A lot, a uh-huh. lot, a lot. Like, you know, I, I was... You know, the, the main emotion I felt in the first week of my son's life was was honestly this just, this deep, profound gratitude that I had fallen on the side of the fence that was yes, because I realized, wow, you know, it is true that it's an enormous sacrifice, and in fact, way more enormous than I could imagine before I became a mom. But what, what also is true, is that big love. Way more than I could have imagined.
0: But there is another There is another situation, which is actually kind of more my situation, right? Which is very much like you, when my wife and I were trying to decide whether to have kids, um, we were on the fence. And, and we came down on the same side you did, which is to, to have children. And, and let me preface this by saying, I love my children. I love having children. But I also honestly think i would be just as happy without children like i i look at the other ship and and it's not a ship that sailed off to the horizon where i can't i can't imagine not having these kids in my life the way that you describe and that i think my wife would describe our children it's actually kind of a little bit of a different experience which is i love them and i'm so glad we had them but the sister ship is actually like it's it's right across the bay like i <laughs> I, I, I could be on that ship and I think mm-hmm. be just as happy as on this ship.
1: But, you know, I, I'm curious about what you're saying because I, I, on one hand, I know what you mean. I mean, I I share that feeling that you have, you know, as much as I say, I, you know, I, I feel so grateful that I decided to become a mother and that is true. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't think that I would have a happy, fulfilled life without them. I just think yeah. wow what you know the gifts that they the gifts that are that ended up being on this mothership if you will um seem to me greater for me in my life than what that what I would have um found you know if I hadn't had them and what I'm curious about with you is yeah. are they really the same to you are they really equal to you
0: I don't know I think it's a really hard question and honestly it it actually does Caused me not a little bit of turmoil because I, I, I think you're right. I think on one hand, I am so glad we had children because I think it, it makes me a less selfish person. It makes me a better person. I love ha- I love spending time with my kids in general, but I actually don't love spending time the same way my wife does, <laughs> to be honest. Right. And I see the other ship and I think actually there is this important work that I probably would have done that I won't because right. I have kids.
1: So you feel in and, some ways like like you've squandered a certain aspect of yourself during these years of your prime that you might not have if you'd...
0: Yeah, and and yeah. certainly I have also gained something, right? But it's mm-hmm. but I feel like so, so many times, and I think this actually gets to our caller, so many times when we talk about parenthood, we talk about it in this almost binary way, where it, it's a tough decision and then you make it, and then everyone's glad that they had kids and at least in my experience it's actually not like that
1: yeah no for, i think i think what we're both struggling with here honestly is that you know we don't really have language for actually telling the truth about um, things like parenting it's right. not always convenient or fun to be essentially hamstrung by your obligations to a child or children uh, in in every way, financially, time, you know, energy, commitment, you know, all of those things. You know, I think that this is why so often um, parents do feel that that sense of isolation and despair. Uh, I know that, I remember, especially in the intensity of my kids' um, early years, I had two kids 17 and a half months apart. So I had two babies and then two toddlers. Wow. And, you know, I wrote Wild in a state of, of basically fear and despair because I, I really <laughs> thought, you know, I, how how will I ever do this? Because, I, I mean, I hadn't even slept through the night for more than two years. Yeah. And I love them beyond measure. And they are genuinely, like, they're the best things I've ever done. I say that without question. But man, I miss spending Sundays just reading the New York Times while lounging on the couch. Yeah, it's
0: true. Those are good I days. never <laughs> got that back. I never
1: got that back. I really miss it. I really miss it. Sometimes I think just maybe I should have put that like more prominently on that list when I was thinking which way to go. When we're old and
0: decrepit and our children won't call us on Sunday, that's when we're going to be able to read the paper. Exactly. We should acknowledge something we haven't talked about in this conversation so far, which is that part of making this decision is a practical question. Right. When my wife had our children and we became parents together, it had a huge impact on her career, much more so than mine. If Megan gets pregnant and has a baby, it's going to impact her life and her career a lot, too.
2: Yeah, look, that's certainly played into the calculus, I suppose. You know, it's it is much harder. Um, My husband is... 100% on board to be you know as equal as possible but also there is you know it's a biological fact that I'm the one who has to stay home first and I'm the one who has to feed the kid for for as long as possible if you're breastfeeding and that sort of thing and culturally there are just there are many more impacts on, on women than there are on
1: men. There's no question that, uh, you know, for, for almost every professional woman I know, myself included, uh, that that having children has, you know, impacted our careers. But it's also when you really look at it, uh, just a, an era of your life. It's just a short time um, when you take the longer view. I mean, all of my best writing happened while two little babies were sleeping In the next room you know and I and you know there's something about that that like that I can say yeah you know it was hard but I did it and in some ways it clarified my ambitions because I was like this this is harder than it ever was before I really did talk about regret I think what did I do all of those years before I had them like I you know I should have written 10 books and then and then you know so it clarified my my purpose
0: that's really interesting so so let me take a step back because I think the biggest thing that Megan is asking, and, and we have assignments for her now, right? She's going to go write the list. She's going to think about what is actually meaningful to her. She's going to sort of th- think about where the journey on each ship would take her. Mm-hmm. But she says that that she has been thinking about this, and she's been going in circles, and I'm sure this is going to help. But she says, like, what she really needs is she needs some way of framing the question or the decision-making that helps her and her husband break out of this, like, circular, endless conversation that they keep having and so if if she was sitting in front of you and you could only sort of tell her one thing about how to think about this differently, that that gives her the freedom to to see it in a new way, what would you tell mm. her?
1: I would say relinquish the notion that you will feel certainty uh, when you make this decision. Most of the time, especially with something as that is as complicated and fraught, as becoming a parent or 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 deciding not to be one, you do just have to, at the end of the day, say, "This feels to me like the truest thing, not the only truth, but at the end of the day, the truest thing. it it, it It's risky. It's scary. It requires frankly, a lot of courage on on your part, Megan. but i I know that you can do it. and and almost always, When we do that, when we, like, get to the place where we trust the truest thing, what's revealed are really all of the things that we couldn't possibly put on those lists because we don't know them yet. And that is the beauty of, you know, boarding that ship and venturing into the unknown because, of course, you can imagine the landscapes you'll see and the things you'll feel, but there's nothing like being there in real life. And whatever you do, whichever choice you make, that ship will take you someplace beautiful. I know it.
2: What
0: do you think of that?
2: Yeah, um, that was beautiful. I'm sitting here now crying at my office desk. So um, hopefully no one walks past anytime soon. Um, Yeah, I I think she's absolutely right. It does take a lot of, I suppose, courage. And that spoke very, very truly to me, but
0: it's hard to be that courageous all the time, right? <laughs> being, being courageous is exhausting.
2: <laughs> yeah, precisely. And that's, you know, that's certainly what I'm grappling with.
0: Where do you think you are on that fence right now?
2: Look, I, I don't know. I, I feel like at the moment I'm probably slightly more on the kid's side of the fence, than the other side, I'm much more optimistic about being able to reach a decision that will feel, you know, right.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us.
2: No, thank you. This has yeah been been so helpful. And now my husband um is in the army reserve. He's he's actually off um in. Our Australian ski field's doing like some search and rescue training right now. So he's literally um, like sleeping in the snow. And and so I'm going to hang up from you and start texting and freaking out about the fact that, you know, Cheryl Strayed has, you know, spoken to me via the magic of podcasts. And that's really been very special.
0: A quick update. A few weeks after we talked, Megan sent us this voicemail.
2: Hi, Charles and everyone. Um, you asked for an update on how um, I'm thinking and my husband thinking about the, the whole question of kids and all of that. So yeah, we had a lot of really good heart-to-heart discussions, a um, few tears, but yeah. We're going to go for it. Um, we actually had our first appointment with a fertility doctor uh, just this week. Yeah, we're, we're at least starting the baby steps to, to make that happen. So that's, that's where we are. Um, I'll keep you updated, I suppose. Um, thanks.
0: Megan, we wish you and your husband all the luck in the world. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And thanks to Cheryl Strayed for her heartfelt advice and beautiful, beautiful writing. Make sure to look for Cheryl's books, including her latest one, Brave Enough. And one more quick note um, before we sign off, just in case my children ever do listen to this podcast, I love you guys so much, and having you was the best choice I ever, ever made. Do you have a problem that needs solving? Wherever you are in the world, you can send us a note at howto at slate.com and we might be able to help. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Merit Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja. I'm Charles Duhigg, and you can find me on Twitter at
1: C.A. Duhigg. Thanks so much for listening.